I don't know if I'm being my best self if I believe that I know everything there is to know about the world around me, especially if I'm basing it on the facts and evidence and information that I get from other sources. The truth is the only thing I know about is that which I experience directly. Everything else is to me just wondrous. You're listening to Out of Line with Caroline Lee, exploring offline realities with online personalities. Jaden Lee is a photographer and composer based in Los Angeles. After spending the first 26 years of his life in Melbourne, Australia, Jaden moved to the States and accomplished the status of dual citizen. He then co-founded five businesses, Woodnote Photography, Echo and Earl, Coco Carpets, Light Lab, and Come On Team. Note, he may never sleep. Besides all of this, Jaden happens to be the sound engineer of Out of Line and my husband of 13 years. Jaden sat down with me at our very own dining room table to record our chat. Well, if it isn't Jaden John Lee. That's just played. I know it has. I don't know. I would have edited it in. Do you still like edited it? Edited it. Do you still edited like it. the theme song that you wrote me? Uh, sure. <laughs> I mean, I don't sit around thinking about how much I like things that I make, but I um, mean, I think it works. It's quirky. It's a good theme song. It works for it works for the barrage of different people you have on. Right. I know. I, I mean, I, that's what I hope. I think it does. It does. It does. I'm a bit nervous. Yeah, you should be. I'm a difficult interview. No, I just, I feel like this is more intimate than normal. In what way? Well, I don't know. I don't know what we're going to talk about, but it just feels like, I don't think anybody's ever listened in on our conversations before. Well, and good luck trying to find out something new about someone you know everything about. Oh, watch me. (laughs) Well, we'll see, you feisty little mofo. So, people ask me a lot about you all the time. So, I'm going to just start with some questions that have come from other people about you. Who are these people? Mm, bots, probably. Bots? I think bots sense. owned by Obama, but he has a crush on you and wants to get information. Look, me and Obama are both Enneagram 9s. So I know, I, I mean, I, I sense, I sense his longing. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Hey, I would consent to any side relationship that needed to happen if Obama was involved, <laughs> just so you know. Oh yeah. Uh, you and your political sexual fantasies. <laughs> they definitely a Netflix original right there. So, all right. So, a lot of people have asked uh, about having you on, and really, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think it's just because they like your accent and they just want to hear you talk for a while. I think it's because they like you and yeah. they just want to know, like, who does her? Oh, <laughs> oh my word! Oh my uh, word! I'm kidding. I'm no, kidding. I mean, Obviously. maybe they want to know. Maybe they want to you know. know. What? Inquiring minds. Inquiring minds. Well. Let them eat cake. Um, Do we have cake? No. No, we don't, unfortunately. Okay, great. So So no cake. No cake for now. But I can Postmate some. (laughs) (laughs) This ought to be good because you are an online personality and you are my husband. So this ought to be good. I can't wait. For those of you who don't know... Ooh, sounds like a bridesmaid speech. <laughs> it does. So does. <laughs> oh my gosh, the number of weddings that we've been to where the bridesmaid goes. For those of you who don't know me, I'm Sarah Ann, and I grew up with June, the bride. <laughs> and then we, Jaden and I, actually always, uh, when we're at weddings, we always look at each other during the brides and maid and groomsmen speech, and we always just look at each other and mouth the words. For those of you who don't know me, because literally. Every speech starts like that. Well, for those of you who don't know me, I'm Jaden. Jaden Lee. And if you're in America, 
because Jaden has an accent. Basically, people usually think his name is Jordan, Jared, Dragon, Chiden. What else? <laughs> Chiden. <laughs> I do get that all the time. Yeah, because when he introduces himself, Chiden is a name. I'm Chiden sure. That, sorry totally... for. It's probably like one person listening named Chiden, and there's like a singular tear just falling down <laughs> their cheek right now. I'm sorry, Chiden. I'm really sorry, Chiden. Chiden. I wish I could feel your pain, but. I, I want you to have the name. <laughs> it's all you, baby. <laughs> take take Chiden. <laughs> take take it. Oh, it's that thing like when you go to Starbucks and you order your drink and then they're like, what's the name for this order? And and then Jaden says Jiden. And then they write down Chiden. It's hilarious. It yeah, kills they me every time. Spell the accent phonetically. Makes me think of that Brian Regan bit about Hooked on phonics. <laughs> Hook it on phonics. <laughs> Work it for me. <laughs> oh my god. What's the strangest name that you've gotten at Starbucks? I mean, you used to work at Starbucks. Um, but what's airline. The, airline. Airline. <laughs> oh yeah. This is my wife. Airline. <laughs> Which airline, sir? I don't know. Take any of them. Delta. <laughs> Southwest. Who knows? I literally, Caroline Airline. I mean, it's close, but really? Mm. Airline? I got Dragon when I got a Frappuccino one summer. Dragon. I oh. mean, you you look like a dragon to me. I mean, I, I'm curious about dragons. I'm dragon curious. <laughs> Maybe I was just emitting that sort of vibe. Dragon curious. Oh my god. I mean, aren't you? I mean, yeah. I want to go to the land of the Komodo dragons and check them out. But those aren't really the dragons we're talking about, are we, Caroline? Are we? What dragons are we talking about? Well, I would be thinking more of the fantastical beyond belief dragons that breathe fire and fly. Do you Did Komodo think, dragons do that? I don't think so. Do you think that um, there were ever really dragons? Or do you think that there are ever really, like even now, do you think there are dragons on planet Earth that we just haven't found yet? Well, in the sense of how I just described them, I think that there's been beasts on the Earth that have inspired idea of that type of dragon. Mainly because almost every culture has some really similar thoughts about or like depictions of those sorts of things. So I'm not really quite sure. I mean, if we had dinosaurs walking the earth at some point, which we have bones to say we did, why couldn't there be a large lizard that breathes fire? Mm. I mean, we don't know. We don't know. We don't. I mean, I just saw Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom <laughs> uh, like two nights ago, which, by the way, uh, I thought was... One of the better sequels, considering that Jurassic Park, the original, will only ever be the truly enjoyable, great Jurassic film. It got me thinking, I mean, I wonder if any of these dinosaurs actually looked like this. Mm. Um, I'll, I'll take it. Don't get me wrong. I'm happy to see dinosaurs on the screen because it's all spectacle. I didn't go to Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom to actually... <laughs> see a great film mm. if i want to see a great film i'll watch something scorsese made right or maybe christopher nolan who i believe makes great films like this is a movie like it's it's a movie it's a spectacle and uh you know i went with low expectations and left pleasantly surprised <laughs> i i mean at the end of the day someone a, a, a great multitude of people made this film, this this film with stuff that we've seen before, but it's still amazing, like dinosaurs moving and interacting with people and eating people and stuff happening. Like, that's a spectacle that why wouldn't I want to see that? If I went back 50, 60 years and someone said, hey, you want to go see this film where, like, lizards of ancient time like are walking around with humans i'm like oh yeah let's go see it so the fact that there are people who complain now and i've totally gone off subject but the fact that there are people who complain now about movies like that 
I kind of wish they'd check in and be like, you paid somewhere between $8 and $15 to see this film that people dedicated like, some people dedicated three or four months to it. Some people dedicated like two years of their entire life to make this film. Yes, it's a product. They're trying to make money off of it. But at the end of the day, it's only there to like entertain and give you some joy. So like, just go in and have some friggin' fun. So back to dragons. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'll, nice I'll, smooth segue. <laughs> I've thought about that many times. It's easy to hate. Um, I I was wondering, like, I'm, I bet some of these dinosaurs in real life had feathers. Mm. I bet they probably did. But um, and they've probably. I actually read a few articles over the years that have said such things about dinosaurs, but I think we're so accustomed to what, uh, I mean, Jurassic Park's kind of dug their own hole because, you know, uh, back in the nineties when they made the original Jurassic Park, well, the dinosaurs didn't have feathers. So we can't just suddenly make those same species have feathers because that just messes with the whole continuity, doesn't it? (laughs) Um, But I thought to myself, well, if they've got feathers, why couldn't one of them breathe fire? You know, you have a point. And I think that we should start our own franchise of dinosaur movies and we can have them do whatever the fuck we want. Okay. What's the first thing you'd get them to do? Well, I would get them to probably be friends with puppies. That would be cute. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I like where you're going. I'd like them to show us where the Loch Ness Monster is. That would be cool. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Speaking of which, I've been married to you for a minute, Mm -hmm. 13 years to be exact. (laughs) And I know the little known secret about you that you are a little bit obsessed with the greater things of this world, the mystical things of this world. And some might say you're a conspiracy theorist. Some might say you are a crypt. Is it cryptozoologist? That's the right term, but that's not what I am. Well, a novice cryptozoologist? No. What would you say? Uh, I'm an enthusiast. Okay. About crypto matters. And also, I'm not a conspiracy theorist. Again, I'm a conspiracy enthusiast. Okay. So, <clears throat> which is not really a term, but that's the term I'm going to use right now because that's, uh, I'm not a conspiracy theorist. True. And here's the reason why, Okay. I think conspiracy theories are fascinating. It doesn't mean that I believe or subscribe to the theories themselves, but conspiracy theories are fascinating because either way, if I am the person or the person next to me is the conspiracy theorist, on one hand, the fact that they mentally got to this conclusion, that they arrived at this conclusion about something that's happening in our world that they are explaining through the avenue of conspiracy, which means it's usually fairly uh, fantastical. Like I'm reasoning with this reality with all of these alternate possibilities. A conspiracy theorist literally inserts alternate realities onto reality. That's fascinating to me. And some, like if you're, if a person is a true believing self-proclaimed conspiracy theorist, which I am not, they are like sold out for their conspiracy theory. Like it is their religion. It is their (laughs) faith. It is like they are at the altar of the conspiracy gods and they all talk. Mm -hmm. And the internet's the perfect platform for that. Mm. I'm not one of those people. So there's, there is scenario one already fascinating how a person draws these conclusions And then not only that creates a whole social network about it. That's amazing. Not to mention some of the things they come up with is extremely entertaining, Mm. right? That's scenario one. Scenario two is what if they're right? That is even more fascinating. Like, oh my gosh. So either way, they're either wrong and fascinating because they've come up with this super outrageous alternate reality or they're right. And everything that I know is BS Fascinating. It's all, it's just fascinating on every level. So like, I would say that I'm 
uh, a creature of wonder. Mm. I would subscribe to that, yes. Subscribe that you are too or that you agree that I am? I'm, I agree that you are. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I, I'm a creature of wonder. And yes. so I'm open. Um, but I think there are certain stories that people have come up with in the conspiracy world that are like super outrageous and super far-fetched, um, like the earth is flat, um, probably started with someone testing the waters that literally has now become a whole subculture of people who believe the earth is flat. Mm, it's um, so fascinating. Right. Now I'm not someone to, to sit here and say, you guys are idiots. I'm not, I, I don't think that they are. I honestly think that they are searching but you know, it's, there's a, there's a third auxiliary fascination of mine, which is how people react to people who believe these things, mm. which is usually with mockery, mm. hate, uh, ridicule. And if anything, the worst possible thing, which all those, if they aren't bad enough, because I, if there's one thing I can't stand, it's bullies, which they might think they're justified in treating these people like that but i don't think that that's fair they're just testing the waters with reality what's wrong with that um but the worst thing is that people respond to alternate thinking with closed-mindedness that's the worst thing Mm. so i think it's there is so much beauty in just being an open-minded person i don't know i've not been in space caroline As much as I might have liked to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. You... <laughs> as much as I would have liked to have been is what I'm trying to say. Well, your life's not over yet. Right. Um, if anybody knows Elon, call me. Well, it's not just that. It's like, I mean, I, I should say there are lots of conspiracy theories out there. I mean, one of them as well is that we, there, there are two kind of, versions two main popular versions of the moon landing conspiracy theory which i've always found super fascinating one is that we didn't get there and that we had stanley kubrick collaborate with nasa to make a film of the moon landing and broadcast that as the moon landing Okay, that's the first one. So the first one is that happened, but we didn't get there. The second one is that that happened to buy us time so we could beat Russia to get there. Are you not automatically fascinated I by am. the thought? Because here's the other thing. There, there's some, sometimes there's some compelling evidence. Mm. I'm not going to lie. Like, even though I don't believe those things, I don't. But was it Barry Lyndon, one of Stanley Kubrick's films that required special lenses um and i think 2001 space odyssey also did but i think the moon landing came after that i think i'd have to check my facts on that but he needed special lenses that only nasa had possession of Mm. and so the thinking is that he got access to those and you know as a they were scratching each other's backs you know um and i'm like okay cool like Stanley Kubrick had an in with NASA. Okay, great. Not crazy. I mean, but then I think to myself, in reality, I have a friend who works for NASA. It's not that out of the norm that if someone has a need for something, write a letter and have it happening. Real people work for NASA. don't know if you know, but real people just like you and me work for NASA. Exactly. They're not superheroes, although they kind of are. They kind of are. Their names are on Mars. (laughs) NBD. Um, I didn't know I was going to talk about that, but I mean, there are, there are lots of other conspiracy theories. I mean, clearly. What are, what's one that you've heard? Uh, I mean, I've heard I've heard so many. What's that like, Penny in the Cup or something? The one about the that movie that's about nine eleven, that conspiracy theory. There's ones. I mean, I think it's interesting because there are, there are conspiracy theorists that I knew a few growing up that were like paranoid conspiracy theorists Mm -hmm. where they were the kind of people who were like hoarding food in their basement because they were sure that like the government was listening on their phones and was going to like come in the night and like take them and put like, you know, alien chips in their brain and things like that. There was that kind of conspiracy theorist. And then 
there's the conspiracy theorists that's just a little bit more like, hey, what if what we're getting told isn't exactly the way that it is? Or like, mm. hey, what if life has a little more mystery and wonder to it? And I think that the come from matters because I'm never an advocate for being paranoid. And I'm, I mean, like hoard, hoard food and clothes. And if, you know, do it, do you live your best life? And especially if you live in LA, please have an earthquake plan. That's another, another topic. But I think that when it comes to conspiracy theories, they can either be something that augments anxiety or they can be something that just brings a little fun to life because I don't think we have the answer to everything and I actually don't want to. I mm. love that life has a little wonder to it and I love that um there's some freedom to say there's some things that I'm not sure about. Right. I don't know if I'm being my best self if I believe that I know everything there is to know about the world around me, especially if I'm basing it on the facts and evidence and information that I get from other sources. The truth is the only thing I know about is that which I experience directly. Everything else is to me just wondrous. And sometimes it's not in a good way. Sometimes it's like, wow, that's really extreme. Mm. So even stuff to do with last week's episode of your podcast, when I was editing that, I was like, far out. This has really got me thinking because I know that if your podcast catered to a more conservative crowd, we'd get totally different answers, mm. totally different answers. And there's nothing wrong with that. I think there only starts to be something amiss when two groups of people cannot get along despite their differing beliefs. Mm. And yeah, conspiracy theories are like a really charming, fun way to see that play out. And, you know, no one needs to go Googling conspiracy theories if they're not interested because it's just a, it's just a vortex. Mm. Um, but I do because I'm fascinated with how people behave. Mm. Um, I really am. <clears throat> you know, so with that in mind, I'm, I'm definitely not, I mean, it's, it's fun to bring up because you and I will talk about it from time to time. Um, you know, various things that I read or, and I've got certain friends who totally play into this tendency of mine to just be like, wow, oh my goodness, what's that? You know, and some things aren't, some things aren't conspiracies that I'm fascinated. Most things aren't conspiracies that I'm fascinated with. That's just a side thing. Mm. If, if we're talking about like the unexplained things, mysteries, I mean, I've been into that since I was six mostly because my mom bought me this book. I think it was called, you know, Mysteries and the Unexplained. And it was a hardcover book and it was like 450 pages long. It was like an encyclopedia at the time of just all this bizarre stuff. And, you know, looking back, I, I mean, I don't have a child of my own, but I would imagine that I would think twice before buying a book like that for my child because there's some there was some pretty freaky stuff in there. Hmm. And, but you know, my, my mum I think has been equally fascinated with some of these things. And so I think that we, it was one of the many things we connected on, but I mean, I, I learned about the moon landing conspiracy theory in there. I also learned about like Bigfoot and Sasquatch mm. in there. Yeah. Um, and the Loch Ness Monster. Well, I knew about the Loch Ness Monster. Who hasn't heard of the Loch Ness Monster? But, like, there was more information there. I also learned about, like, crazy stuff to do with UFOs and abductions. And for me, it's always just been a matter of, wow, imagine. Not me saying, this is 100% real. Everyone needs to, like, pull the scales off their eyes and see that this is true and that the government has, like you know, is keeping this information from us. I'm not that guy. I'm, the crypto evangelist. Yeah, I'm not a crypto evangelist. I am a curious enthusiast. Mm. But it's, a, it's a, such a side thing in my life. You know, it's like whatever. But it's funny that we've, we're talking about this. I mean, the truth is how information gets distributed is a really interesting thing to talk about. And let's go back to the moon landing for a second. 
we all believe what we believe because of what was broadcast. Mm. Mm-hmm. True or false? True. Right. If they had broadcast that the lunar module blew up on the way to the surface of the moon, what would we believe? That they all died. That they perished, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so that in itself is fascinating to me. And I love social psychology in that way. And I think it's worth bringing up because I believe that we landed on the moon because TV told me so. And I think that that's fair. What if we never landed on the moon though, but TV told me so? Mm. What does that mean? And I'm just using the moon landing as an example, but really, I mean, I'm trying to segue from that to maybe smaller things. Like if that's the power the media has, which I think arguably it does, because I mean, do you believe that it's possible for a media to have done that? Oh yeah. Oh, and it's not even just the media. It's the media that's connected to the government. And I think that, Mm. and that's making me sound like a conspiracy theorist. That's like, you know, has radios buried in my backyard, which I totally don't. So just let, just letting everyone know I don't. Um, Maybe an FM radio. Maybe. Been looking for it for months. (laughs) Well, I, I mean, I, I do believe that people listen to us on our devices even if it's just like ai listening so that it can give us advertisements based on what we talk about i fully believe that um so you know i have like siri turned off on my like sonos and stuff because i i'm like the fewer ais that are listening to me talk the better so that's as far as i'll get in my paranoia um which is pretty far i'll admit but truthfully though i mean If a government of one of the most powerful countries in the world that clearly has motivation to create media, not just for its own citizens, like you and me, since you're a dual citizen, they don't want to just look powerful to us. They want to look powerful to the rest of the world. Then there's tons of motivation for them to create the story that they went to the moon before Russia And maybe like that we went, even if we haven't been there at all, there's tons of like if you're if you're look, you know, if you're looking this at this as some sort of like jury member of the jury in a court case, there's tons of evidence that would make you go, well, I do see your point. They there was a lot riding on the fact that they needed to look cool and powerful and fast. And why not trust old Stanley? to create that movie, you know, of them on the moon fully. Yeah. Why not? I believe it. And there's, and the, like you said, the evidence that, you know, they lost the original footage of them being on the moon like that to me, I'm just like, are you serious? Yeah. If a, <laughs> if an all powerful force can do that, there's evidence enough in and of itself to believe that they would. Mm. Right. And so just to reiterate, I'm not really talking about the moon landing. I'm talking about media. Mm. I'm just using that as an example. And here's the thing. A lot of people make fun of that. They would never do that kind of thing is what they're saying. Right. Like, okay, fine. Yeah, maybe you're right. But what if you're not right about that? And let's shift from the moon landing onto just regular day news. How much of the news do we get that is accurate? especially in this country where it's so polarized. It doesn't matter which side of the political coin that you fall on. It's a good question to ask. And I say that as someone who didn't grow up here, probably because living in the Midwest, living in Milwaukee, I heard some amazingly inflamed media and that doesn't bother me. What bothers me is that I watched people, smart, intelligent people, eat that crap up. And that's what causes paranoia. Mm. And there are certain people, there are certain personalities, you know, Sean Hannity. (laughs) Oh, fighting words. Rush Limbaugh. Oh, shit. Glenn Beck. There are people in Milwaukee who are in our life who would listen to that quite regularly. And that's how I got exposed to it. And, you know, out of curiosity, I listened for a while 
and found myself not believing, but just listening neutrally because I was like, okay, there were some relatively close relatives in our family who were listening to it. And I was trying to understand how they see the world. Hmm. So I listened in for a few weeks to try and figure out what on earth is being said. I found myself getting paranoid, getting agitated, even though I didn't even believe what they were saying. That's another story altogether. But I'm concerned about that because there are times when, uh, especially Rush Limbaugh, would reference Australian life, like in regards to gun control, in regards to healthcare, and he would sensationalize the experience in Australia like he grew up there. Mm. And I'd be sitting there thinking, this is bullshit. That's not what I experienced at all. Um, one of the things being, he would often say, uh, you know, we don't want to become a country that's like Australia with healthcare um, because, and this is right when Obamacare was like sort of on the rise. We don't want to become like Australia where people line up for three to five weeks in basically concentration camps of, of healthcare. And from memory, I think he put like a, like an image on his website and, and said, you know, go to rushlimbaugh.com and have a look at this image. And it basically showed like this military style, like a developing world relief tent mm -hmm. that people were getting healthcare at. <laughs> so out of curiosity, and I was starting to get annoyed at this point because that's not my experience at all for the record. My experience in Australia is that healthcare is actually quite an abundant experience. If I need healthcare, I can receive it in moments. I've never lined up for healthcare. Mm. The only time I've ever waited is if I need to go to see a specific specialist, which, hey, news alert, that's the same here. Mm -hmm. Like specialists are a different matter. General healthcare, I just make a call at a clinic that's local or anywhere and I drive down there and make my appointment like anyone else. But here's being painted this picture of, um, you know, healthcare in Australia is a disaster and it doesn't work. And as an Australian who's just moved to America and I've been there like a year, I'm starting to get this picture painted for why America fights so much because there are people like the Sean Hannity's and the Glenn Beck's and the Rush Limbaugh's and even the Bill Maher's who I also think has a tendency to do this on the left, kind of creating sensationalized stories yep. that freak people out mm -hmm. like of course of course people are going to hear that and be like we can't let this happen mm. i don't want to ever experience like being in some sort of like developing country relief tent i yeah. want to be able to be i want to receive great care and so i remember someone calling in at one of these times when rush limbaugh was talking about this and happened to be like an australian Mm. wasn't me, um, <laughs> and said what I was thinking, which was, uh, you know, you know, hey, Rush, uh, thanks for sharing what you're sharing. Look, I just need to say that I grew up in Australia and this is just not my experience at all. And there is a clear device for how Rush deals with those people, which is he speaks over them with aggressive language. He shuts them down gives them an uh, invitation to aggressively fight back. But even if they don't aggressively fight back, he just ends the call. He will not allow there to be a different perspective. Mm. So that's, I'm sorry, but a lot of people in the Midwest are charged by that commentary. Yeah. And I don't think, I don't think it's just in the Midwest, just to add that. I mean, if I think that, I think that there are people all over America and the world who are charged by that, which is why propaganda is so common. I mean, I I studied art history in college and... You don't say. Yep. I'm just letting <laughs> you know in case we just met, in case you didn't know. Um, but to me, seeing how propaganda is such a... It's used by churches, religions, governments. It's used by people to control people because when you're when you want power, 
What you want is to get people to do what you say. And it's a lot easier to get people afraid and do what you say than it is to empower them and then have them follow you because it's a lot easier to control a herd of a of frightened sheep than it is to, you know, lead an empowered army of like bears that all know exactly who they are and what they want. Like, it's just, it's a lot easier to be like, come on, you little dummy sheep, come on over here. And they're like, okay, you know? And then like, (laughs) then you've got this army of like all these mighty bears that are like, we know what the fuck we're doing. And like, and they, and those, you know, I'm saying bears. I don't know. I'm not, I'm not like a great animal storyteller. So you can choose a different animal. But basically what I'm trying to say is all the way back to ancient history, people use propaganda to try to control people. This is not new. And so I think that if humanity is consistent and even though we might be evolving slowly, I mean, I watched the news this week and I was like horrified when I saw our president having basically a propaganda press conference with these poor families who lost family members. And I think there were like 13 of them Mm. that were on stage with him as he shared. But I think 13 families lost family members. And Mm. I think 11 of those 13 died in car crashes, which happens like all day, every day. So I'm not undermining mm. how sad it is. Those are the real numbers? I believe so. I it, this I could double check it, but I want to say crazy. it was 11 out of 13. But Trump was using it as a story of look at these people, their family members died by at the hand of illegal immigrants. Mm. And rather than... It's quite a different spin, isn't it? It's a very different spin. And so rather than it being this sad thing to grieve with these people who've lost their family. Now he's using this as his own propaganda. And even the fact that these family members are standing up on stage holding the photos of their lost family members and that he had signed, like Donald Trump signed the photos of the dead people. What? Yeah. This was this week. That's pretty gross. Look, I mean, I'm trying to be neutral I don't feel neutral. I don't it feel neutral feels, about that. It feels like dirty propaganda. It feels like you said, it's like when you take something that happened and you put your own spin on it to make it feed your cause. And so rather than saying, isn't this sad? These people, you know, like we need to be more aware of how many people are dying in car crashes and have like focus our energy on that. Instead, it becomes about a versus game. Instead, it becomes about fueling the fear in Americans about immigrants. Instead, right. it fuels the fear of don't trust people who are different than you are. Mm-hmm. Don't be around people who are different. And what if, you know, illegal immigrants? I mean, the number, like, first of all, I don't approve of that word. So I'm saying it because that's what he calls them. But they're undocumented. No one's illegal. We're all here as humans. No one says we can live or not live. That, to me, is an offensive thing. But anyway, I think that it's really important. You know, I know I love that we started talking about dinosaurs and now we're (laughs) on to, you know, propaganda in the media because I do think that they're related. I think that, you know... We do need to be very careful of the media that we consume and to take everything with a little grain of salt. And that's something that I love about you um, is that you leave space for wonder and that you are someone who will, if you're going to read five news stories, then you're also going to read one about the latest Bigfoot sighting. And (laughs) if you read, if you read five news stories, you're also going to leave space to read about a conspiracy theory and you're not gonna you know you're not gonna fully change your life based on what you read but you will let it sink in and just go huh what if and I think that that's a beautiful thing to be in to be in relationship with you because I think that there are so few things that we can be fully sure of in life and a lot of people like to say that we can and a lot of people like to say I have the answer to this and I've got the right way for that but life is so fluid and there are so Mm. few things that we can truly 
be 100% sure of. Hmm. And so being with you and having you be someone who leaves space for wonder um, is is a really, it keeps things interesting and never boring. Thank you. That's very encouraging because I'm very aware of my weird quirks <laughs> and I'm unapologetic about them. And uh, I'm glad that you like them. Hmm. But I would ask you in reference to or follow up to what you just said, what can we be sure of in life? Um, I'm the interviewer here, Jaden. <sighs> <laughs> yeah, I'm going to put the kibosh on that. I don't know. Okay. I don't know because I think I think that everything everything is relative to each person and their experience. Every every truth is relative to someone's own upbringing and the way they view the world and their own mental health and those things change from day to day and so for me I think it's about my my own take which is that we're here for a short time we're here for for a purpose and the purpose is love and I know that that could be a very throwaway like oh little hippie child pat pat her on the head but um I believe that that there is I think that that's why I love the way that you have space for wonder is because I I do believe in something greater and I do believe that life is so much greater than we could ever understand because there is a greater being that is not within my understanding or control. So why would mm. I try to then create this false sense of security in my life? Like I can just go through it and know the answers and get everything correct and like live a perfect life. Um, that's not what I'm here for. What about you? What about me in terms of what we can be sure of? Yeah. Very few things. Um, and uh, I'm either freaked out by that or I submit to that. That's the truth. Um, which definitely makes me sound like a doomsdayist, but it's really not. I think that there's actually a lot of optimism to appreciating the certain simple things I have right now lest I lose them mm. like you, like my family and my friends, um, like the air that I breathe, like the sun rising and setting every day, those things, air, air breathing, like <laughs> air, air breathing, breathing. <laughs> air bud, <laughs> ever seen it? Air bud, love it. Um, <laughs> the, you know, being able to breathe oxygen, safely and knowing the sun's going to rise and set they're they're pretty standard assurances but you know what At the end of the day my space enthusiasm and my love of science leads me to believe our our sun which is a star for anyone who doesn't know that you should <laughs> our sun is not forever mm. which means that we aren't so even that's not assured. I think I'm safe with the idea that it's going to be living long after I long after I pass. You know, but I mean even now like who knows? Maybe by the time I'm in my old age the air won't be that breathable. I don't know. Um so yeah, it's I think it's a great question and it's more about the journey that question takes me on than actually having answers. Mm. I'd prefer to come to the conclusion of saying, you know what? I don't know what's assured. So I am going to love what's in front of me and the things that I value the most like you, um, like the ability to create, uh, like my imagination and my family and my friends, like I said before, the people I hold dear, who I can connect with and laugh with and cry with and grow with. But I don't, sadly, none of those things that I just said are forever. So what about the option 
of loving those things while I have them and appreciating them while I have them and being the best person I can be uh, amongst those wonderful and beautiful things and not try to complicate it with what I think everyone wants me to be and who everyone, what everyone thinks is so freaking important. It's probably not important. Mm. Yeah. Mm. I love that. I love that. And I, I love you and I love getting to be in this moment with you and getting to share this air with you and I know that you you do give up a lot of beautiful time with people that you love very dearly and people that I also love very dearly in Australia by being here with me and I'm I'm grateful that that you do that and that you choose that and I love that you are open in this journey and that you allow your imagination and your heart to be open to the wild things of life (laughs) because life is wild. It's pretty wild. And I don't think, I don't think it serves anyone to believe that they can control it. So thank you for being open to the wild. (laughs) It's no problem. I'm definitely open to the mysteries of life. There's so much fun in the mysteries. Come on. What's known is known. It's the mysteries that are fun. Anyways. I love it. <laughs> so before before we move on to social media, um, you know, you're you're a bit of a unique guest in the sense that you did grow up in Australia and living in Australia for like 26 years. Um, and, and now you've lived here for almost 11. Mm -hmm. So what's something really fun about living in America and what's just a fascinating revelation and realization you've had about this weird ass country that you now call your second home? (laughs) People are fun in America. And people are fun in Australia too, but I appreciate their fun here. Um, there's a lot of spectacle in America I find fun, for sure. You know, it's like I was saying about Jurassic World. Like Jurassic World, Fallen Kingdom. <laughs> Is Chris Pat- Pratt paying you to say that every time you say it? <laughs> I wish. <laughs> Chris, lay off. He's mine. But um, no, I think... <laughs> It's like Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom in the way that, you know, Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom is a, is a product of the art and capitalism of America. Like, let's give them a show, guys. Let's give them a show. America is like that. Let's give them a show. Um, in case Americans don't know that. I mean, look at who our president is. And I mean, <laughs> like, it's the other day I was literally like half like shocked and appalled and half amazed when Kim Kardashian went to talk to President Trump about prison reform, I was mm-hmm. like, this is literally America. This is America. This is what we want. We want spectacle. We want entertainment. That's right. We Hashtag want- Donald Glover. Uh-huh. <laughs> this is America. I mean, it's true, though. It is. So I hear you. Keep going. Well, I mean, America loves a spectacle um, and that's great. Have fun. Have fun with a spectacle. Why not? Like I said before, like we aren't assured tomorrow. Have fun while you can. There are some strange byproducts that come from a culture like that. I think you just said it like Kim Kardashian and Donald Trump are interesting characters to me when I look at it neutrally. I, I don't feel drawn to either of them, but many people do because they are conductors of spectacle. <laughs> they are conductors of spectacle. They okay. <laughs> and for those who are spectacle inclined, they eat it up. <laughs> and that is what it is. It is. No judgment. I, I don't, f- I just don't care to judge in that regard. But I mean, They're just two people of thousands and thousands of personalities who like ride that train, Mm. the spectacle train. Mm. 
And, uh, you know, spectacle can be a brilliant thing. I mean, spectacle is what gave us Disneyland. And that has brought so much joy to so many little kids. I mean, I'm not going to... And adults. And adults. Um, I'm not going to judge Disneyland. So many people have just, like, had their hearts warmed by that place. God bless Walt Disney. He created so much joy and love for people and continues to do so even post-mortem. So there's a lot of good to the spectacle. I think, though, I wonder if, as a nation, the United States of America, if we should maybe try to develop when spectacle is for spectacle's sake in important matters Mm. like politics. Mm. Because politics loves the same thing. It's just a spectacle. Mm. And people eat it up. And, you know, the, the most motivating energy on mass is outrage. Mm. That's, that's what politics thrives on here. Like, let's make a spectacle that outrages people. Let's make it so outrageous that either people are like waving the flag for us or they're literally loading their guns. And that's politics in America. And until, <laughs> until, I don't even know if it'll ever happen, but like, it would be great if, we could be a bit more neutral about important matters, but I haven't experienced it since I've been here and I don't expect to. We as Americans actually get to have a look at how obsessed we are with spectacle and know that like, if I treat politics the way I treat Jurassic World, Fallen Kingdom, (laughs) (laughs) then maybe it's me who gets to check in that politics and fantasy need to be separate Mm. all right like if we're using the same currency for two very different topics one is entertainment and one is politics they're both entertainment yeah they're but politics is entertainment here Mm. politicians the reason we have a, a entertainment celebrity like donald trump as president is because we're so accustomed to feeling comfortable with entertainers yeah Even Reagan was an actor, Mm. okay? Like, let's check in with how much we allow spectacle to dictate our emotions with matters that shape the nation. I don't know why no one talks about this. It's as if it's just a given that that's the way politics is. You know, when I go back to Australia, I think sometimes Australians act like it's quite a spectacle there, politics and the news. But it's so on a different level. Um, and we have, we have issues and matters in Australia that get to be addressed like any nation. I'm not dismissing that. But like when I wake up and on the front page is a story about a guy who gets a parking ticket in his front drive, <laughs> that made the front page news. <laughs> That's a different form of spectacle. It is. That's fishing for stories. Yeah. Okay. It's like, That's hey, fine. Jim, we got nothing. Maybe. And again, I'm not, I'm not making fun of Australia. I'm just trying to illustrate that that apparently was important that day to put on front page and like, and you know, and it was on the news on TV as well. Well, yeah. And, and to be fair, the scale of country is a little different. We've got, you know, 22 million in Australia versus what, like 300 million in America. It's not just the scale. It's the history. You know, the scale, yes. Do you want to see 22 million people fight? No. Exactly. So what's the difference? Oh, it's like no. It's, it's a lot of people, you know. It's like a 22, which I think it's actually closer to 25 now. But, um, oh, people you know, procreating? Millions of people fighting against each other still looks like millions of people fighting against each other. It's not so much about that. Um, you know, I think that our history plays into it. Like, I feel like... Australia's always been uh, unspoken underdogs. We don't see ourselves as underdogs. We just see ourselves as Aussies. You know, we don't think of ourselves in that way. We're not like... Yeah, please never say Aussie. It's Aussie. <laughs> like Aussie Osborne. Exactly. When people say, oh my God, my <laughs> friend is an Aussie. I'm like, oh. An, an Aussie. Oh no. It's Aussie. Anyways, my point is that I, I think we've grown up 
having always um, eaten a bit of humble sauce uh, because we were the rejects. And now Australia looks very different because Australia has enjoyed a diverse immigration, which ironically, that's one of our biggest issues. Funnily enough, just like America, dealing with people who are aggressively against immigration, the very thing that formed the country as we know it. Yeah. So we all get to have a, a check-in, but as far as the US goes, very different history. I mean... We came here like fighting. Well, America is different because it's, it's quantified success and progress with war. Mm. And so when there's an opportunity to progress the nation forward, I'm not surprised that the nation's at war with itself. Even if it isn't necessarily a civil war again, it's a war of words. Mm. It's inflamed. It's aggressive. Um, and I think if you add to that, that America is the only country that I've ever been in. And I've been to a lot of countries. I've been to all seven continents and many of the countries that actually make up those continents. America is the only place that refers to itself as the world. <laughs> That's so true. Like whether the you're, world. Whether you're a Democrat or a Republican, I've heard them all say it. The world. And then they don't even know it until I say, oh, you mean America? <laughs> Uh, what do you mean? I said, you just said the world. <laughs> you know, it's always in context to something, but I mean, that's worth thinking about. Like as a nation, America thinks of itself as the world. I can tell you that outside of America, people do not refer to America as the world. They refer to it as America and often mixed with some negative feelings. Mm. And I think that Democrats and Republicans shouldn't blame each other for that reputation. We all get to own that reputation as Americans. Mm. And it starts with being a good person. Whether you're American or Italian or New Zealander or Australian, or if you're from Democratic Republic of Congo or India or wherever, whether you're stationed in Antarctica or whether you're up floating around in space, on a shuttle or a space station. Be a good person. We can learn from the rest of the world. So what are three ways that we can be good citizens of whatever nation we live in today? Mm. Three ways that we can be good citizens. Listen, laugh, and embrace. I don't think that people are aware that America is like a wild experiment and it's meant to be filled with like a, a diverse group of people who aren't going to think the same. That's why we broke free from England. We wanted to do things our own way. Well, this is what it looks like. What saddens me is that so many people are offended that America is becoming itself and they call themselves real Americans. And that bothers me. And I wish that people would take the same civics test and all the study that's required to become a citizen of America, like I had to. I think that they'd actually learn a few things about what America is and what America is not. Mm. And uh, I just think that a lot of people quote the founding writings of America and they don't even get it remotely right. Mm. And that is a big concern. So... If anyone's listening out there, reading the Constitution doesn't take that long. It's very, very good reading and still an amazing document. Mm. We should literally not take it for granted and cherish what we have because we're not assured this country forever. Boom. <laughs> Thanks, yeah. babe. I like talking to you. Oh, what man. are you doing later? <laughs> I've loved our chat and what you have to say, so thank you. Now the episode fades. <laughs> Stick around for part two of this out-of-line discussion to hear a social media Q&A with Jaden Lee.
This episode of Out of Line was produced by me, Caroline. All sound editing, engineering, and original music composition by Jaden Lee. And a big thank you to Cat Footwear for working with Out of Line this season. Hit subscribe to get the next episode on your mobile device when it drops next week. And if you love what you heard, please whip out a review, will ya? 